Shalom, friends. This is the teaching that led up to the spontaneous prayer meeting that pronounced judgment on Yasser Arafat. I want you to listen. I want you to listen to the scriptures. I want you to open up your heart and understand that terrorism has begun like we've never seen before because there's a breach in the walls, because leadership, according to the book of Isaiah, has closed the doors of worship, have rejected the move of the Spirit and moved more into a seeker-sensitive pattern. I lay out the scriptures for you. I want you to follow along with me. And as you hear these scriptures and the truth comes forth, I pray like a geyser of truth will bubble up within you. Hallelujah. And you'll begin to pronounce judgment on the terrorists. You'll begin to pronounce the spirit of justice upon the pedophiles, upon the pornography, upon the mafia, upon the auto theft, upon all these things going on even in your own neighborhood or state or region that you live. That the spirit of justice will well up within you as you hear these scriptures, hallelujah, just as it did me. I'm nobody, hallelujah, but I know somebody. And I want you to be activated into counterterrorism also. So listen to this message, and don't forget to intercede for us, hallelujah, and to give financially so we can do more of these things in the days ahead. Glory to God, shalom, shalom. When two or three are gathered in your name, you're in our midst. We thank you for last night. We could end the services now, Lord, and just say we had a wonderful time in your presence. But, Father, there's so much more that you want to activate inside of all of us. So we're available, Father. We ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, wash our minds with your word, quicken us by your spirit, retool us, Father, into thinking justice and righteousness. And we thank you for those things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, you may be seated, and I just feel right at home here. Thank you for your love and all the stuff you guys do for Jesus and for his namesake. Second Peter chapter 1, I, I, you know, I really want to get all this inside of us. Verse 16, we do not follow cleverly devised tales made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus, but eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is the final word that Peter has to say before he's martyred. He's passing the baton of apostolic leadership to the next generation. This is the final words of Peter. For we, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when with him on the holy mountain. And so we had the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So the light that we need in this dark hour is from the morning star scriptures or the day star scriptures. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. It wasn't like they ate some mushrooms and they decided to, you know, they get kind of weird feeling and they start getting mystical and write some things down. The word moved here is the same word used of the northeasterner storm that shipwrecked Paul on the island of Malta. These men were moved along like a feather in a hurricane wind. They couldn't help but write these things down. And Peter says, this is our morning star light, rather than an internet website or a conference or whatever else. This is our main light in this hour. And chapter 2, verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality. So notice secretly in the last days, we need to watch out from the minefields, the booby traps of the enemy. Do you believe we're in the last days? 
Amen? I mean, you can just tell we're in the last days. And so that necessitates us to be on the alert, okay? And Christians, we, we, you know, because, you know, we're commanded to love one another and to believe the best of one another, we always seem to believe the best of the enemy, too. You know, you can't have a mother instinct when it comes to these things, okay? <laughs> you can love one another and have camaraderie and fellowship, but you've got to be on the alert. We can't be naive. And Americans are known for being naive. We've got to be on the alert in this hour. And the alert here is they're secret, secretly being introduced, destructive heresies. And so I'm not going to try to find out what, what these things are and what, who's doing them, but I have one guiding point, and it's the last two scriptures of Second Peter that can give us guidance in this hour. And it says, it's talking about verse 16, about some people distort the scriptures to their own destruction. But it says, verse 17, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men, and you fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity, everybody said, Amen. Notice here that the guardrail, the handrail, the guidance that he gives us in this hour is be on your guard against the error of unprincipled men. The word unprincipled means to be lawless or faithfulness, unfaithful. One who breaks through the restraints of the law to gratify his own lust. And so, brothers and sisters, we can examine this fruit, okay? We're not called to judge one another, lest you be judged. That word there is condemn. You're not called to condemn one another, but we are called to judge fruit, okay? And you have nothing to hide. You won't mind if somebody pulls out a magnifying glass, amen? And I, you should do the same to me and to what I'm teaching. And if you want to really find out who we are, come down and hang out with our family for a few weeks. Hallelujah. You'll find out how we live, amen? You'll find out what videos are in our, in our cabinet at home, <laughs> You'll find out how we live. And I, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm very leery in this hour because, because of what the minefield that the enemy is introducing is that there's many good prophets and many good teachers that are becoming false prophets and false teachers right now. It's, we're in that day, okay? And they're among us because at one time they were good teachers. And the first thing that you need to look out for is character. We have to be on our guard lest we be carried away. It's so easy for a, a drift current to come in, a rip current, you know, when the tide's going out and your boat's parked here and you look up five minutes later and your boat's way down over this way now. It's so easy to drift and not know. The moorings of the church, you know, there's too much gray, there's too much, you know, cross-pollination with the world going on right now. And we have to be on the alert in this hour. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen, folks. Glory to God. And it says here, but grow in the grace and the intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus, the, the Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So this is what Peter is saying to us. And go with me now to the book of Micah. Micah, right before. I'll give you the page number, but it would be wrong in your Bible. The book of Micah right after Jonah. <laughs> right after Daniel. And you know, I would love to stay in the joy of the Lord. I wanted to teach on the joy this morning. The Lord keeps on 
wretched me back into, into this message, and it's a reason, so I need to obey. If we look over here in, um, oh, chapter 2 and verse 12, we see what it's being prophesied here is of a remnant message. Verse 12, I'll surely assemble all of you, Jacob, and I'll gather the remnant of Israel. I'll put them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in the midst of the pasture. They'll be noisy with men. The breaker goes up before them. They break out. They pass through the gate and go out. So their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. So notice that God is gathering together in his sheepfold in this hour, a remnant of people. And I want to be a part of that remnant. And it goes on and says, chapter 3 and verse 1, I said, hear now, heads of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know justice? When the leadership of a church does not know the justice of God, okay, everything is skewed. Amen? That's why this next election coming up is so important. Because, folks, it's not just about the Ten Commandments not being allowed in certain places. It's the whole fabric of our society is right now at war. We know that. You who hate good and love evil, who tear off their skin from, their, from them and their flesh from their bones, who eat the flesh of my people, strip off their skin from them, break their bones, chop them as a pot and as meat in a kettle, then they'll cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he'll hide his face from them at that time because they have practiced evil deeds. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. When they have something to bite with their teeth, they cry shalom. But against him who puts nothing in their mouths, they declare holy war. I want you guys to pray for our ministry, okay? I'll just tell you something, something personal. I've decided to expose. <laughs> I've decided to sound the alarm. I was in a church once, and, and the Lord said, blow the shofar now during worship. So I started blowing the shofar. And the lady that worked in the children's department with the preschoolers, her husband works for the volunteer fire department. And when she heard the shofar sound, it's, it's, however God changed the amplification of a sound, it sounded like a volunteer fire alarm going off. And she grabbed all the kids and got their coats on and was leading them out the fire exit when somebody stopped her and said, where were you all going? But she saw she heard the fire alarm, and she did. Many times when we're preaching now, we'll hear a fire truck go by or alarms will go off. Fire alarms will go off. Things are happening. God is trying to get our attention right now. Amen. And it says here, they declare a holy war. The reason I'm just a little bit late this morning is because I am getting deluged with a lot of emails. A lot of people are very excited about the last email we just sent out. I don't know if you guys have read the last email I just sent out. If you're not, get, go to our website and sign up for it. And uh, if the website is down, it's because we're retooling it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so hang on and try to come back to it in, in the near future. We're upgrading it so we can stream video and some things on there. Glory to God. Anyway, I just decided to, to, to speak the truth out of my heart. That enough is enough. Amen. That we need to start warning the body of Christ about what's happening. And those people that are... A little shady in some areas, okay? They've declared holy war against my wife and I. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but it's pretty fun. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, the hate mail that comes in. So all of a sudden, I was a little late this morning. I was, trying, I was emailing some people back. and It's like you write an email, and they read so much into your email. And I just say, hey, listen, you just need to chill out. Get our book, The Mystery of Lawlessness. You know, hear my heart in it. And then we can go into a correct dialogue. Instead of all your rhetoric and your presumptions. And, you know, you just need to chill out and get a grip, you know. And, and um, I refuse to back down when it comes to the truth. 
one guy was really hammering me. How dare you talk about counterterrorism and surgical attacks against terrorist infrastructure? We need to love the Arabs. I'm like, duh. I mean, we, yeah, we need to love them. But do you love serial killers? Yeah, what do you do? You bring justice to them. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on. And so I just refused to back down this one email, and the guy emailed me back and says, I don't know what came over me. I got so angry and jealous of your relationship with God and your, your, your ministry. I want you to forgive me, brother. I don't know what came over me. So I know it's a spirit we're dealing with. They wanted to kill Jesus. Why? Because he was exposing the Pharisees. Okay, folks? And you're going to have to build this inside of you. You're going to have to, because if you're going to be used by God, you're going to have to let persecution rip off your back like water off a duck's back. Amen. You know, and most, most believers don't want to, you know, stir up the bottom of the rain barrel. Oh, that's clean water. It's fresh rain. Yeah, right. Look at this. I put a, let, me, let me just put the hose in there a little bit. Let me show you all the silt at the bottom. You want to still drink that now? Well, how dare you stir everything up? Everything was so nice until you came here. Try to help you out, you know? What, you go to the doctor, the doctor finds a lump in your arm, you know? And he goes and cuts it out. What, during the, the procedure, you get up and punch him in the face because it hurts? I mean, come on. You actually pay him money to do it. So don't get mad. Go to Jeremiah. Just keep your finger here. I'm just feeling that, you know, it'd be wrong for me to... to to tell us that we're in this, in this phase right now and not prepare you for what's about to happen to you. Because we got to warn the people, folks. Jeremiah chapter 20. Keep your finger in Micah. We'll come right back to that. Put your pencil in there or something. I want you to understand this is part of the sufferings of Jesus. It's standing up for the truth. And... Uh, it's really interesting is that Jeremiah in chapter 20 and verse 2, Pashar is one of the priests, put, beat, beat Jeremiah up and threw him in prison. How about that for a, you know, a ministry? And it's interesting, Moshe and their team at the city of David have found the very cistern where Jeremiah was led into just recently. Glory to God. You know what we should, what we should do? All those, how many people would like to go to Israel? All those that would like to go to Israel, we should tomorrow, you know, and tell the people tonight that all those that are interested in going to Israel, we should sit down and just talk about it, you know, over there in the fellowship hall after service, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, if you want to bring some lunch, I mean, order some pizza or something, I don't know. Whatever, it's fine. Bring tuna fish sandwiches, hallelujah. I'd rather have that than pizza. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the Lord, I think about the wisdom of Jesus. You know, he says when you pray, you know, dead things should not hurt you. I mean, I mean, there's so much mercury out there. People get so scared about this stuff, you know. People say, yo, you're on the road with your family? We're going to pray for you. You must eat so unhealthy. And so I kind of listened to them over the while saying, you know, you know, well, I mean, it's kind of hard when you're at 12 o'clock at night and you've got five kids and nothing really open except Wendy's or McDonald's, you know? Oh, you've got to be careful eating that. And so over the years, I said, well, I'm going to go get a physical. I went and got a blood test, and the doctor said, you're in the best shape of anybody I've ever seen. And he said, what do you eat? Uh, McDonald's, Wendy's. 
He goes, your cholesterol level is like, he goes, everything. And I said, well, it must be the glory of God. Hallelujah. Folks, you can't get in fear about, about food. It's one of the doctrines of devils in the last days. It says, in the last days there will be perilous times. You'll, you know, there will be lying spirits that say, forbid marriage and forbid certain foods that God had ordained. If you get really too hyper, I know, I know we need, uh, need to eat healthy, right? Okay? But please don't attack me after the service and say, I need this green, blue-green seaweed from Japan, okay? <laughs> to add it to my diet for iodine, okay? I, I just don't have the time, okay? We try to eat healthy, but we just got to trust God, okay? <laughs> we can go overboard. It's all, have you noticed all the medical doctors on Christian TV now? And it's almost like it puts fear in you. Well, I understand we need to eat healthy, but what if the ravens bring a roadkill one morning? You know what I mean? What are you supposed to do? <laughs> That's what happened to Elijah. <laughs> anyway, just stay in the glory and Dr. Jesus will take care of, out of you, whatever is in your system. Hallelujah. You can keep eating the salmon, brother. Hallelujah. Verse 7. So Jeremiah starts complaining. I don't blame him. Oh Lord, thou hast deceived me. I was deceived. <laughs> thou hast overcome me and prevailed. I become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. How about that for a Nielsen TV rating? How about that for ministry? Everybody mocks me. Each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction. Because for me, you know what, folks? I just felt in my spirit. We need, to, we need to pray today before the service is over. I'm, I, it's the second time it's come to me. I feel like there's an imminent terrorist attack about to happen. And we really need to pray. Okay, so I'm going to go into this teaching and we're going to pray, okay? I don't know what's going on. I just know by ex the last five years when I feel this, this compassion inside that something's about to happen. Okay? Whew. But if I say I'll not remember him or speak anymore in his name, verse 9, then in my heart becomes like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, I'm weary of holding it in, I cannot endure. When you know the truth and you don't stand up for the truth, fire of constipation will hit you. God will make you miserable. He has ways of making us talk. <laughs> you know that song, it's like fire, shut up in my bones, woo! Wrong melody, wrong song. It should be like, it's like fire. Oh, God, okay, I'll obey you. Shut up in my bones. For I've heard the whispering of many, terror on every side. How about that for terrorism in, your, in the church? People whispering, and you can't stop it. The telephone game going on. Denounce him. Let us all denounce him. All of my trusted friends. Wow. Watching for my fall. Perhaps we'll be deceived so we prevail against him and take our revenge on him. Welcome to the prophetic ministry. <laughs> but look at verse 11. But the Lord is with me like a dread champion. The word dread champion, this will bless your socks off, folks. Are you ready? Or your flip-flops, so bless them right off. It's Aritz Gibor in Hebrew. Got to learn Hebrew, man. Aritz Gibor. 
It means awe-inspiring, awful, terrifying, ruthless champion. You know when God shows up with fire in his eyes as a ruthless, awesome champion? It's when you're standing up for the truth and you're getting persecuted. That's where Paul feeds on this same scripture for Romans 8. If God be for us, who could be against us? <laughs> you want God to be the ruthless gladiator in your life? A terror striking? I'll, I'll repeat it again. Aritz Gibur. What's the NIV say in verse 11? Mighty warrior. What's Amplified say? King Jimmy? Mighty awesome. Anything, anything else? It's good. Aritz Gabor. It's the awe-inspiring, terror-striking, ruthless, mighty champion, like a gladiator. This is who comes to your assistance when you stand up for the truth. And you're going to have to have a titanium steel backbone. Because even Jesus did not come and bring peace but a sword. And there'll be family members, there'll be people that will turn against you because you're exposing the darkness in their life. You need to understand that God wants to raise the Fahrenheit level inside of you of the zeal for his house. Well, brother, I just want to retire and go to Florida, you know, I just want to hang out. Can I, do I have to do this? Yes, it's time not to retire but refire. Hallelujah. There's got to be a zeal for his house in in. And so, look at verse 12 of chapter 21. It's just powerful. It says, O house of David, thus says the Lord, administer justice every morning. It's the house of God to administer justice, not the court system down the street. Go back to Micah, chapter 3. And we're going to administer justice this morning against terrorism. And so Micah chapter 3 and verse 5, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead my people astray. I'm not saying they're not prophets, some of these folks. And don't ask me later who the people are because I don't want to tell you. I just want you to put up your antennas and find out for yourself. Okay? But the best thing to do is test the fruit. Okay? Look at the fruit. I mean, one of the most popular TV ministries in America couple years ago said, well, you know, God told me, my wife and I, that we finished our ministry together and it's time for us to separate. And so he married his secretary a few days later. And he's still on TBN. And what the scary part is, you know what Jack Hayford said? You know what the scary part is? His church applauded it. <laughs> and it's like, Lord, this is getting crazy. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, this is getting crazy. Why do the people applaud it? Because the guy has a prophetic anointing. They love the gift and the anointing more than the character. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning, folks? You should be on the alarm. You should be on the alert. Hallelujah. So you say, where should the prophecy, prophets operate? Out of the context of a local church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 gives us the direction. One prophesies, two or three are there to judge. What do they judge? The accuracy of the word and the accuracy of the prophets or prophetesses' lifestyle. Amen. 
Halleluja. So if there's a prophets out there that are not submitting to the leadership of a local church, red flag. You gotta understand this. That the reason judgment comes is because prophets are people that can go into the unseen spirit realm and cause things to happen, good or bad. Remember Balaam? He could have cursed Israel. But the donkey stopped him. Prophets carry tremendous weight and authority. That's what's so dangerous about prophets. If they go off, whew, we got a we got a loose cannon on the ship. We've got a major problem. And so it says here, because Micah and these others did not put anything in the mouths of these prophets, they suddenly declare holy war. Therefore, it will be night for you without vision, verse 6, a darkness for you without divination. The sun will go down on the prophets, and the day will become dark over them. The seers will be ashamed, and the diviners will be embarrassed. Indeed, they'll cover their mouths because there's no answer from God. And on the other hand, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, with justice and courage to make known to Jacob his rebellious acts, even to Israel, his sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God wants to infuse you guys with courage. Now hear this, heads of the house of Jacob, rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and twist everything that is straight, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with violent injustice, her leaders pronounce judgment for a bribe, her priests instruct for a price, her prophets divine for money, yet they lean on the Lord, saying, Is not the Lord in our midst? Calamity will not come upon us. <laughs> Therefore, in the account of you, Zion will be a plowed field. Brothers and sisters, this is what we're in right now. You're going to see it increase, okay? Just remember you heard it first. You're pre-warned, you're pre-armed, you're forearmed, okay? Just understand that we need to pray for those people, but sometimes some of those people are going to be turned over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, okay? That's what Paul said. But when we see this happening, don't throw in the towel, don't get disillusioned, don't get your eyes on man, okay? Be like David. If David looked at Saul and how demon-possessed Saul was, I mean, David could have, you know, not encouraged himself in the Lord. What's happening? During this time, another move of God is coming up. A fresh move of God. as chapter 4 and verse 1. And it'll come about in the last days. Are we in the last days? Do we see prophets operating like this we just read? You better believe it. That the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It'll be raised above the hills, and the people will stream to it. Why are they streaming to it? And many nations will say, Come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. People are going to get so disgusted with religion, with hypocrisy. You know how many Catholic people are disgusted what's going on in the priesthood? Come on, folks, hallelujah. God's going to turn us around for his glory. The people are going to stream to the house of the Lord, and they're going to say, Teach us your ways. Teach us your law and judge the peoples. Verse 3. Render decisions. Glory to God. This is what we're moving into, Pastor. The next wave of church growth is going to be a growth pattern based on justice and scales of equal balance. 
people are going to want to come to church because they know that they, there's a place of safety. There's going to be a pure word delivered. There's going to be a place that they can... A couple years back, I was in a prayer meeting in our house with some friends, and uh, Dolly and I had just returned back from a large conference with, you know, famous, well-known people. Anyway, and the keynote speaker of the Saturday night conference was a man that I had gone to school with in Tulsa, and we had known each other, and he got up and started preaching, and Dolly and I felt we were getting sick to our stomach, like something's wrong here. I don't know what's wrong, something's wrong with this guy. When you talk to him, he can't look at you in the eyes. You know, he's very businesslike. And, and people say he's a great prophet. And I, what's wrong with this guy? And so we came back home, and we got the video of the conference. And we just began, in love, to show the people in Glory Oasis Fellowship, the leadership. We began to show them, now, we just want to train you guys on something. I'll be led by the Spirit. See this guy here? When I mention his name, everybody here thinks he's great. But look what he's preaching here. Look what he's saying. And people said, yeah, you're right. Look at what this guy is. What is, is he off his rocker? What's he saying these things for? And I won't even say the things he was saying. And I said, do you feel that? He said, yeah, I feel that check in my spirit. He said, you've got to follow the check. Something's wrong with this man. Now, we're not condemning him, okay, but we need to pray for him. One of the ladies blurted out, how dare you talk like that? He's an anointed man of God. How dare you set yourself up like judges? And she stormed out. Well, guess what? 911 happened right after that. And this man put out in his big newsletter if you think that God allowed 911 to happen, then you need to go back to Theology 101. God is a good God. He would never let this happen. And so my wife got on the phone and we called the guy. And Dolly says, I want to speak to so and so. Well, he's busy. I don't care if he's busy. This is so and so. And we just did a conference with him, okay? And we're scheduled to do with a conference with him again next year. And I don't want to be on the same platform with his goon, okay? If he's going to be talking like these things. He's a false prophet. Well, ma'am, you shouldn't be judging. I'm telling you, my wife's saying, he's a false prophet. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> well, guess what? A few months later, a pastor from Guatemala came through our, the congregation, stayed at our house, and said, Brother Scott, I want to tell you something. You know so-and-so? I said, I said, yeah, my wife, you know, got on the phone and called him. Well, he, we just found out that he's, he's been a long-time homosexual secretly. And my youth pastor is now his youth pastor, and they're both sodomites. And Dalek goes, I knew it! I knew it! And so... I mean, I mean, folks, it shocks so many people, okay? I don't need to mention any names, okay? You could figure out in the future who it is, okay? But this man was a revival historian. I have books in his basement this thick, in my basement this thick, talking of why men of God failed and fell. And, fell. and so I called their offices when the news broke, and I said, you know, uh, can I speak to pastor? And she says, well, pastor's not here. He's on a sabbatical. And I said, well, these are the things I'm hearing. Well, we just want you to know that pastor is, you know, he's under a counseling session and he's on a sabbatical and everything's fine. I says, man, that's not what I asked. Did he commit this? She goes, yes. I said, why can't you say it? What, are you afraid of your job, losing your job? 
And so I called up some friends. A few weeks later after that, we're in prayer, and God warned me, get their children out of their youth group. So I called them, and I said, where's your kids right now? And this lady named Debbie says, well, they're at church. I says, get them out of the church now. Well, why? I says, where's your pastor? Well, he's been on sabbatical. Do you know what's going on with him? No, they just said he needed some rest, and he's been gone for, he'll be gone for a few months. And it's so anointed, Brother Scott. We've got guest speakers every week coming and filling in for pastor, and it is so wonderful. I says, let me tell you what's happening. And she went, oh, my God. She clicked the phone, got her kids out. And that's how naive people are. You need to look in the mirror and say, I'm not going to be deceived in the name of Jesus. We're talking about angels of light, folks. And you're hearing this message, okay, not just to be warned, but go warn others. I want to preach on the joy of the Lord this morning. I think he's trying to equip you to be warners. Amen? Everybody's mourning now, this other prophet that's fallen. All these emails, people, oh, Brother Scott, we need to mourn and pray for this dear brother. And I said, I know that stuff. It's not time to mourn, it's time to warn Is anybody out there on the tape going to warn? <laughs> you say, what's happening to you? Man, I feel the zeal for his house have consumed me. And I'm on the chip on my shoulder. I'm a nice person. Hallelujah. I'm going to go home and play soccer with my kids. I mean, come on. Hallelujah. But I feel this spirit of justice and courage coming inside. Is anybody going to rise up and say anything? And so we see here in Micah. That in the last days, people are going to stream to Altoona Full Gospel Assembly and to other churches because the leadership has decided to operate in the spirit of justice and courage. Amen. And we need that. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see that as church growth? I see it. I see it so clear. Okay. Why was this happening in Israel and Judah? And who was Micah prophesying to? Who were the anointed leaders of this time that he was prophesying to? Look at chapter 1 and verse 1. And we're going to open up some things to you. The word of the Lord which came to Micah of Morsheth in the days of Yotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, when he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, for those that don't know right offhand who these people are, these are the same kings during Isaiah's ministry. He is a contemporary of Isaiah. Okay, they're operating in the same small area of Jerusalem as Isaiah is. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. You know, if, we, if the church keeps being in denial, we're heading, for a, we're heading for a major disaster. We can't be in denial anymore, okay? We have to take the blame for what's happening in America. Corporately, we have to take the blame. If we believe that we're the salt of the earth, okay? If we believe we're the light of the world. If we believe that Jesus has given us the keys of the kingdom. If we believe that God has called us to enforce his government, okay? that we are the spiritual leaders, the body of Christ in the land of America, then we have a serious problem. And somebody needs to come up and take responsibility for what's happening. When Daniel saw that what was happening in Israel, the first thing he did is prayed. 
Oh God, forgive us. Didn't say forgive me, he said forgive us. There has to be no more denial, okay? We, we have to understand that we ourselves have had a Doris Day doctrine. Say la, say la, what it will be, will be. Let's go shopping, you and me. I'm familiar because my father was the attorney for Doris, Doris Day at one time. Anyway, we'll go there. But we have to recognize, you know, you know, when a doctor talks to a cancer patient saying, you know, you got, you got a month to live. Oh, thank you, doctor. I mean, I'm going to get a second opinion. You understand what I'm saying to you. Look, this is the facts. Here's your blood test. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, well, I'm strong. You know, nobody's ever had cancer in my family before. And the doctor's like, do you understand what I'm saying to you? And we need to be jerked out of our complacency. And I want to be around people that, hallelujah, rub me the wrong way. That stroke the cat the wrong direction. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to be stirred up. I, nobody here, we don't know it all. We need one another. We, we have blind spots. You understand what I'm saying? And I believe that the prophetic movement in America has been pigeonholed in just comfort and edification, okay, and direction prophecies. And we're missing the great truths of justice and righteousness and defending the widow and the orphan and the poor. Amen? Coming up out of the Old Testament into the New Testament prophetic office. You go to some prophetic conferences now, you know, and you, they, have a, they have a booth there. You can get a word, okay? You get a number like at Walmart, you know, seriously. And you stand in line, and there's a lady or a man sitting there, and they'll read, they'll read your, their palm, basically. Is that the true office of the prophet? No, it's not. Is that the true purpose of prophecy? No, it's not. But that's what we've allowed to happen because that's what people like. And so we see that something horrible had happened. And now what I'm going to share with you now is I've studied this out, and I want everybody just to pay real close attention. The reason we have terrorism today that hit our shorelines, okay, that right now our government officials are busy like bees right now because they know something's up, Okay? Even Vice President Cheney said that Washington, D.C. would most likely be an attack, targeted for attack before the elections. Okay? We all know that there's some nuclear bombs the size of suitcases that are missing from Russia. Okay? We know that there's some things going on, okay? And we're not trying to create hysteria, but there's a reason why Homeland Security is now a cabinet position. Because they know in the long term that we, our whole course of our society has changed. You say, why did it happen? I believe the reason it happened is not because Bill Clinton was spending money elsewhere, okay? It's not because the CIA didn't have the intelligence. I believe that the walls of our nation have been breached. And it's not because of the media or the left, it's because the church, the people of God, have sinned. Hold on, hold on, sister. 
Just write it down so you won't forget and tell me. I want you to understand something. Terrorism, the reason for terrorism falls squarely on the church. And I'm going to show you a few scriptures here to prove that, okay? When the standard of judgment is skewed off, when the church, Anglican Church, the Presbyterian Church of America, when I went to take my family to lunch last Sunday, and the lady, the owner of the restaurant, you know, she goes to the Presbyterian Church and she gave us a 10% discount because we were pastors, whatever. And she says to me, do you believe the full Bible? I said, I sure do. She goes, oh, thank God. She goes, I'm a Presbyterian right now across the street at my church. They're having a vote about homosexuals in the clergy. Folks, I don't know what Bible they're reading from. Did you know that the Presbyterian Church has $7 billion in assets just, not in the real estate, just in the retirement fund for their, for their, for their pastors. Seven billion. Seven billion dollars, pastor, just in the retirement fund for their pastors, their presbytery. My hat is off to any Presbyterian minister that stands up to buck that system. Hallelujah. Would you say something's off in our nation? And you know the, the church next door to it, there in Alpharetta, is the Methodist church, and they're next? There's, the Methodist movement is starting to test the waters. I know, I went to a Methodist seminary. Or Roberts University is a Methodist-ordained seminary, believe it or not. They're going to have to make some decisions themselves if they're going to still be Methodists in the future. You say, why are you talking like this? You know? The problem is not with the CIA, FBI, okay? The problem is with us. Because the standards of justice have been tilted, everything's been skewed off, and there's a breach in the wall, okay? And Micah and Isaiah are ruthlessly, with the courage of God and the spirit of power, are declaring to the leadership, the spiritual leaders, that you guys are off and you're wrong. And so we see here the same kings in Isaiah 1 and verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ohaz, Hezekiah. Same, same three kings. Okay. Now, when you read the book of Isaiah, you sit down one day and just about four or five hours, just read the whole book of Isaiah, okay? You'll think Isaiah is bipolar. Raging judgments, you know? He calls Jerusalem the leaders of Sodom and Gomorrah, verse, 11, verse 10 of chapter 1. I mean, raging judgments. Then suddenly in chapter 35... Oh, it's so beautiful. In chapter 40 through 66, it's so wonderful. And it's like, well, what's, what's happened to him? He's bipolar? No, it depends on which king is reigning. That depends the, the tilt of the prophetic movement. You understand what I'm saying? God works in protocol. God has his government. God has set rulers, leaders in the church by full ministry gifts. You understand that? He has set them. And when they get skewed off, it brings pollution into the whole land. 
And that's why the problem today in the church is not you and I. Because you and I, we love God. Amen? The problem is the leaders. They're called false shepherds. And God is turning over every rock right now. Thank God for it. Hallelujah. And so we see here in verse 17, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Verse 25 of chapter 1 of Isaiah, I'll turn my hand against you and smelt away your dross as liar. I'll remove all your alloy, then I'll restore your judges at first, your counselors at the beginning, and after you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. Notice now in chapter 7. We see the glorious visitation of Isaiah in verse 6 of the glory of God. But in chapter 7, we see something that's horrifying. And I want you to picture this as we center in why terrorism is in America. Okay? Folks, God wants us to take this out. If we don't take authority in this area, our policemen and firemen will have to fight this battle in the streets of America. Do you understand that? Thank God we have a president that takes the fight to them. We can't be, think that the UN is going to take care of this problem. Europe is, you know, Europe is balking big time. They have so much a huge Muslim populations in France and England and Holland, now in Germany. They're capitulating to the... To... I was in France, folks. The Muslims we witnessed to were so powerful. I remember there was a whole group of young Muslims got born again. And they begged me, we want to go to Israel with you, but they won't, they won't let us in, we're Muslims. And she said, and this is one girl, she said, I just got saved yesterday in your service, and pray for me. I'm going to go tell my father, who just got back from Mecca on a pilgrimage, I'm going to tell him I believe in Jesus. I haven't heard from her since then. Folks, hallelujah, they're fired up. I love it. But they know Europe right now is tilting I just got a call from one of our board members says that the EU is now taking all reference of church and Christianity out of their charters. They're proclaiming that their new religion is humanism and the secular state of Europe. You wonder why they're so anti-American. We look around and we say, do we see many churches in the area here that are really on fire? No. So we're going to have to group together the remnant, hallelujah, and carry the torch. Amen. Let's do it. Hallelujah. So we see here in chapter 7, I said everything for this moment. And verse 1, it came about in the days of Ahaz, okay, the king Ahaz, son of Yotam, son of Uziah, king of Ramon, that Razim, the king of Aram, okay, that's a, uh, the Armenians, that's an Arabic nation that borders Israel, and Pekah, the son of Ramallah, those are Jewish people in the north that can't stand Jerusalem, okay, 
king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not conquer it. When it was reported to the house of David, saying the Armenians have camped in Ephraim, his heart and the hearts of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake with the wind. What is Ephraim? Ephraim, look at me, folks. Ephraim is a tribal area in Israel in the hill country, which is called the Benjamite Plateau. Whoever controls the Benjamite Plateau controls all the trade routes and all the highways and roads in and out of Jerusalem. As soon as the Armenians camped on the Benjamite Plateau, they just had military superiority. And everybody is, is shaking. Their hearts are shaking like trees in the wind. They're, they're full of fear. They're terrified. The people of God, come on, the house of David. The people of God that have the Shekinah glory in the temple there. What's happening? Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go now and meet Ahaz, you and your son. Okay. Read verse 5 now. Because Aram with Ephraim, the son of Ramallah, has planned evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls. Now, the word terrorize here is the same word for terrorism in Hebrew. The margin of the New American Standard says, let's go up and cause a sickening dread. Isn't that what you feel every time you hear one of our citizens beheaded? This is a frontal attack of the spirit from hell to bring fear or a sickening dread into our, into our lives to neutralize us on the battlefield. And it is called terrorism. It's called here in Hebrew, kutz. Okay? It's to trouble somebody. It's to cause a sickening dread. It's to terrorize. Amplified says terrify. King James says to vex. Why did this happen to God's people? How could terrorism come against God's people? And the reason why is because of Ahaz. If you look at who Ahaz is, you'll recognize why terrorism came. Go with me to Second Chronicles as we shift gears into the final gear this morning. Thank you for hearing my heart. Second Chronicles, chapter 28. And we see who Ahaz is. Ahaz, his name in Hebrew means to see something for yourself. Ahaz. Okay? Notice he did not have a Yah at the end of his name. <laughs> There's nothing about God in his character. And it says in verse 1, Ahaz was 20 years old and became king, reigned 16 years. He did not do right in the sight of the Lord as his father David had done. Now let me just back up here. One, two, three, four, five. He's not he's only five he's only five kingships away. He's only about 150 years away from David. Whew. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He made molten images for the Baal. Remember Baal worship? What is Baal worship? To worship God for prosperity but not take the stipulations of the law. Baal worship was an ancient Canaanite storm god. They prayed to, to ask him to send, so to speak, rain for the crops to grow, agricultural society. 
but it didn't have the stipulations that all Moses had? Sounds like today's prosperity message. I believe in prosperity. Amen? Glory to God. God wants everybody to have billions for the kingdom. Amen? But it has to be applied with the cross and with contentment. Amen? Woo! And it says here in verse 3, Moreover, he burned incense in the valley of Ben-Hinnon and burned his sons in fire. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I believe the Lord has shown me why terrorism has come. Remember the scripture in, in Isaiah 7 I, we just read that it says the trees and the forest shook in the wind? When I was in France two years ago, you, your church helped bring us there. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. I was doing a, a meeting in a men's conference on a Saturday morning, and this guy came and sat next to me and kept on looking at me, you know, and he had these real thick glasses. looked like Elmer Fudd, you know? You know, the pocket calculator and the pocket protector, all the pins and pencils in his, you know what I'm saying? Just looked like a, a nerd, you know? <laughs> looked like one of those computer nerds, you know? And he kept on looking at me, and I looked back at him, and like, he would look at me and smile, and he'd say, you know, Brother Scott, I have a word for you. And I thought, uh-oh, here we go, another parking lot prophecy, you know? <laughs> and I said, what is it, dear brother? And he said, I see you going throughout the land, blowing the trumpet, and the trees in the forest are shaking in the wind when you do it. Does that mean anything to you? And I went, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, did you have too much pepperoni pizza the night before? I don't know. <laughs> And so I just put it on the shelf, and then three days later I was in another meeting, and my Bible opened up to Isaiah 7, where it says the trees of the forest shook, and I went, oh my God, forgive me, Lord. You probably sent an angel that looked like Elmer Fudd. Oh God, forgive me. I judged your servant. Forgive me, Lord. And I repented, and God opened this up to me. The reason that people shook in fear is because of terrorism. Okay? Why did terrorism come? It's because the protocol, the breach was in the, in, in, in the leadership. The leadership of Ahaz was not interested in what David had done. He was interested in his own kingdom. He even burned his own sons in fire for prosperity. Today we call that corporate America. Put our family on the altar. Come on, for money. It's very similar. They just do it. Our culture does it more you know, behind the doors. It's called abortion, too, you know? Children are a blessing in Hebrew culture. In a self-culture, like humanism, the Greek, the Western culture we live in, children are a pain. They're a blessing. They're a heritage, folks. In verse 24, God showed me this. This was his greatest sin. Moreover, when Ahaz gathered together the utensils of the house of God, chapter 28, verse 24, he cut the utensils of the house of God in pieces and closed the doors of the house of the Lord and made altars for himself in every corner of Jerusalem. He closed the doors of worship. And this is what the Lord spoke to me in France. We had just had several terrorists arrested. We had taken the church to the uh, Parliament building in Strasbourg, France. And it was neat to see all the, the police there in their night vision goggles and all dressed in black and with their body armor checking us out, you know, coming around through the bushes, see who we were. <laughs> Peace, it's okay. But we blew the shofar that terrorism would be exposed and they caught the terrorists that were gonna attack the EU building two days later. The church in France was so excited. They had heard about the miracle in, in Paris 
where we had taken the entire church to Notre Dame Cathedral on July 14th, which is Bastille Day. It's our July 4th here. It's their Independence Day. Really, it's their guillotine day. But anyway, and uh, all the jets are flying over, and it's a big military parade, and the president of France is going down, uh, what's that street in French? Anyway, it's heading toward the Arch of Triumph. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody, hundreds of thousands of people lined up, waving French flags, you know, and here's our whole group in front of Notre Dame Cathedral, which is the epicenter of France, and blowing the shofar against terrorism, prophesying. We didn't know. We were just following what I'm feeling in my spirit. Same thing right now. And two metro stops away, the president of France is driving down, okay? And a terrorist pulls out, a, a, out of the rifle case, a, a, a guitar case, a rifle, takes two shots at the president of France. He looked just like John F. K. Kennedy in a convertible, waving to the crowd, and the, the rifle bullets just miss his head. And they tackle him, and all of France is in uproar. How could this happen? And us and the church are rejoicing, hallelujah, going wild because, wow, this is awesome. And all the young French young people are like, man, I feel like a Rambo, hallelujah. <laughs> I said, it's cool, isn't it? To administer God's justice. They're like, man, man, we, we're going to go buy shofars and do the same. Hey, man, go for it. Hallelujah. Folks, this is fun. And so in that midst, I'm saying, Lord, what are you saying to me? And he says, trace when terrorism hits your shoreline. What was happening in the church? Are you ready, folks? In the 90s, a destructive heresy came into the church. It's called seeker-sensitive services. Men decided... Let's close the doors of worship down. The revival is getting too messy. Okay, it's getting too, we can't control it. Let's follow our evangelical brothers, okay? And the, help us, Lord! Our president's spiritual advisor was a man from Chicago that has a church, a very large church, based on seeker-sensitive Christianity. Have you ever heard of this stuff before? How many people have never heard of seeker-sensitive before? Okay, let me help you what it is. There was a man in Chicago, okay, with another man that was in California. He was doing his dissertation at a university, I think it was Fuller, and went and said, you know, why don't people go to church on Sunday? So he went to the ball game, you know, the Dodgers, went to the shopping malls and asked people, why don't you go to church on Sunday? And they said, well, we don't like preaching about money. We don't like preaching about hell. You know, I'm a good person. Da, da, da. And they said, you know what? Let's take their, what they're saying and let's develop a new breed of services. And they probably had good intentions, okay? You know, but let's bring in people that, and make it very user-friendly for them. Let's have, not have a cross in the church, okay? Let's have everything's dressed casual down. Let's have a few nice songs. Don't have more than three or four songs because, you know, the sociologists and the psychologists show us that people's rear ends can't sit too long, okay? Seriously. Churches would then hire uh, interior direct decorators and designers from Disney World. They would study corporate America, okay? They would repaint their churches Colors that would stimulate emotions to attract people. Come on, folks. 
I can take you to church conferences and they'll show you, okay? I don't want to go into all that, okay? Just makes me want to turn over the tables. <laughs> and the man that really started running the forefront of this, his church in Chicago, it grew very fast and he was a former caterer. He had a huge catering company. He knew how to cater people. He knew how to entertain people. And they decided, let's not do anything with the move of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit, okay? Let's instead, let's bring people in, okay? So I'm on the, air, and I'm in, in, in the late 90s, I'm on an airplane, okay? And I'm starting to see this happening. I'm starting to see different churches that were born in the fire's revival. Are you still with me? Come on. They were born in the fire's revival that they're starting to change their services. You guys know one of those places, okay? That the, the guy says, Sunday morning, we're going to appeal to all everybody, okay? We don't want too loud preaching. We don't want you to you know, pray for the sick. We'll have Sunday night will be our revival service, but Sunday mornings will be our traditional service. What they start doing? They started closing the doors of worship. Worship was no longer spontaneous. Worship was to please the people. And so this church grew so much that the large charismatic Pentecostal churches had to make a decision. Because now the fastest church growth movement is called this seeker-sensitive or purpose-driven churches, okay? It's happening right now, folks. They're swelling. And so the Pentecostals said, you know, maybe let's do a hybrid. Let's still have the move of God, okay? And preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But let's incorporate a few of the things there to help bring people in, okay? Are you still with me? So I'm on an airplane in the late 90s or mid-90s flying somewhere, and the man sitting next to me um, asked me what I do, and I start talking to him. He's a bonds trader or whatever, and, and I asked him if he goes to church, and he says, yeah. He says, I go to this. He goes, I'm Greek Orthodox, but my wife and I, we used to go to Broadway musicals all the time. We used to fly into Broadway once a month just to, my wife likes musicals, and we don't go there anymore. I says, well, why? He says, we go to this certain church in Chicago. They have better musicals than Broadway. And that's this church. And people saw the quote, quote, success. Just because you fill out the church doesn't mean that it's successful, okay? The Mormons do the same thing. Come on. There's no preaching of hell, no preaching of sin. It's like going to Walt Disney World. You get the hot dogs in the parking lot. You get a special parking if you're a visitor. Got all these entertaining programs and moonwalks and all these things for the kids, you know. Everything's planned out. They say it's all about you. And so now we have men of God that are now incorporating this. And now the largest, spirit, quote, quote, spirit-filled church in America is now based on this pattern. God loves you. Find your destiny in your life. Doesn't preach about hell. And this person is in Madison Square Garden very soon. Packing the place out. I know. Because I know the people, the leadership that are leaving that church, going to a new Holy Ghost Spirit-filled church in, in that area of Texas. Hallelujah. Because they can't handle this mamby-pamby message any longer. And so we see a great influx of Christians and leaders going after what is called seeker-sensitive Christianity. 
Do I need to paint any more picture on this area? Do you understand what I'm saying? What happened in our culture? We closed the doors of worship like Ahaz, and what happened? Boom! We got hit with terrorism. It's our fault. It's our fault, brothers and sisters. The church has looked to entertain, stroke the goats, okay? Has looked to build out services in their attempt to reach the culture, and we're preaching a different Jesus, a different gospel. And terrorism has come in, and a bunch of thugs from the Middle East, okay? Not even large enough to be considered a country, okay? Just a bunch of mobsters by Bin Laden and a few others, okay, have brought the West to her knees. Just like the Armenians came and they camped against God's mighty army and everybody got scared and wet in their pants. Because they knew they were powerless. Why were they powerless? Because the king, the leaders were powerless themselves. And so what does Isaiah do? He begins to prophesy. Hallelujah. I like the next king that came up. His name is Hezekiah. Look at chapter 29 as we conclude. The first year of his reign, verse 3, he opened the doors of the world and repaired them. I like this guy, Hezekiah. First thing he did is open up worship 24-7 again. Jubilee broke out. You can read about it in chapter 30. And 31, suddenly Isaiah's prophecies kick in again, different. When Hezekiah's revival broke out, when he opened up worship again and went for it, the people started giving freely. They had a four-month heave offering. The offering was so big, they had to tell them to stop giving. And what was the prophecy Isaiah started coming out with? Look at Isaiah 35 as we conclude. Hallelujah. The wilderness and the desert will be glad. The Arabah, Isaiah 35, will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and a shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Exhaust, encourage the exhausted. Strengthen the feeble. Say to those of anxious heart, take courage. Who are those of anxious heart? Terrorism. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Glory to God. The eyes of the, eyes, eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf. Verse 7, the scorched land will become a pool. Verse 8, a highway will be called, there will be a highway of holiness. <laughs> What's the context of this incredible revival? Is that some leader, and that's why the Bible says pray for the leaders. Some leader called Hezekiah went back to the Davidic pattern. We're on a mission, folks. We're going to ask you to help our mission. I didn't ask for it, but I volunteered for it. It's called Operation Imminent Trumpet. We're running as fast as we can to wake up the body of Christ. I'm greatly encouraged because the president of the university I went to, Or Roberts, is now preaching the same message. Other people are starting to wake up because of Or Roberts, and they're seeing his stature and his wisdom and his calling in the body of Christ. They're waking up and saying, whoa. We know Oral Roberts back when he was in the 50s, and we never see anointing on him like it is now. 
This is a definite wake-up call. Hallelujah. And the thing to do is to find out what the Spirit's doing and give into that. Sow into that. Give your life into what the wind of the Spirit is doing. And the wind of the Spirit is doing right now in the body of Christ, it's a major wake-up call. Hallelujah. Amen? And we need to wake up in this hour. And what God uses to wake people up is the trumpet. It's not a musical instrument. It's not a flute. Okay? It's not a harp. It is an instrument that shakes you. Some young girl came to me last night and said, you know, every time you blow a shofar, I just get oh, all inside, you know? I was like, amen, so do I. <laughs> and we need to join together in this operative. But it's right now, this is what we need to pray about. Those two flags in the middle, if you can turn around, America and Israel. What I would like us all to do is to stand up and grab hands. Pastor, come up here with me. And I feel like we need to pray against terrorism right now. Okay? John and Peg, if you guys could swing around this side. Maybe we should just get in a circle. That's probably the best. I know it's kind of complex, some of the scriptures I've shared, okay? But I want you to, to understand what's being said. Um, because the American church has allowed ourselves to move into a more carnal Christianity, okay? We have unknowingly brought a breach in the walls. Can you see that scripturally? And we are in a spiritual war, okay? And uh, all we need to do is repent this morning for our nation. Repent for the leaders. Ask for God to raise up new judges. Amen? Raise up new people. And then second, we're going to prophesy against terrorism. And then just watch what's going to happen in the news, folks. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this morning. What a great time to spend our lunch. Glory to God. Sending napalm upon those who mean us harm. And Father, I ask this morning that you would forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us. And we ask that you would raise up godly leaders over us. You would raise up godly leaders that have the heart of David among us. Not the heart of Saul that just wanted to please the people and feared the people. But we want David's, Lord, and Davida's. <laughs> we want people with that heart that worship you, that will not compromise, but also are men and women of war, men and women of battle. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would change the leadership of the church in North America. And Lord, if they will not willingly change, Lord, we ask that they will be dismissed and you would raise up new leaders and new Davids in this hour, Father. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. We've learned our lesson. Father, there's a breach in the wall. The enemy has come in. The enemy is threatening with his rhetoric. People are still fearing. People's hearts are shaking like trees in the wind because of, of the end of time. Lord, the whole democratic platform against our president is based on the, the, the war of Iraq and why it's not, we're not winning. Father, Lord, people are, are fearful. People know there's an apocalyptic finale coming. People can sense that there's things are out of control. And Lord, we ask that your church would rise up, us included, rise up and stay and use their authority. Hallelujah. That the true prophets will rise up and prophesy no rain or prophesy rain, prophesy judgment, prophesy the word of the Lord, and it will come a pass in this hour. Hallelujah. Father, we ask right now that Bin Laden will be brought to justice. We pray for our enemies. 
We pray that they would be born again, that you would send labors across their paths, that you would appear. You would send angels to appear before them in night visions of terror. You would send other people, Lord God, across their paths. They would hear the gospel, but you take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But Lord, we know that your sword is coming. And Lord, we ask, Father God, that you would bring justice, any suicide bomber, anything that's about to happen, either in America or in Israel that I'm picking up in my spirit right now, would be neutralized in the name of yes. Jesus. Yes. And this sign and wonder would infuse your people this morning with courage themselves yes. to prophesy and to step out and to use their authority in this hour. Yes. Father, we thank you for bringing to justice this, 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 this mass murderer in Baghdad, in Iraq, that's beheading uh, Zakari, whatever his name is, Lord, that he would be brought to justice. Yes. Just like Saddam and his sons were brought to justice. Bring him to justice in this hour. Cause their hands to grow limp and the sword would fall out. Cause them, Father God, to be terrified of your presence and terrified of the ruthlessness of your justice system. And that innocent blood will not be shed. Innocent civilians will not be harmed and maimed and killed. We ask for protection upon Israel in this hour. Oh, Father. I ask for your justice to be brought to Yasser Arafat. to their headquarters in Ramallah. Just like the king of Ramallah came against Jerusalem and said, we're going to terrorize it and cause a sickening dread. Bring justice upon the head of Ramallah, Yasser Arafat, in this hour. In the name of Jesus. Give supernatural strength to our troops. Give them wisdom. Give our intelligence operatives wisdom. Give us favor. you be the glory and the honor. We thank for a resounding election for our president, a victory, hallelujah. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, whatever is bent, sleeper cells of terrorists in America or Canada be exposed or even in Mexico. Al-Qaeda up operatives, Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, Iranian revolutionary, all be brought to justice in this hour. Shalom, friends. This is Scott Holtz with Rivers in the Desert. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www. Dot flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. Looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom.